Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and practitioner of the healing arts, living on the unceded, traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. On this show, we speak with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. No matter what we believe in, we can learn to lead from love and speak from the heart so we can usher in true peace and healing on this planet together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, this is Surya. Welcome back to A Voice for Love. This is part two of our chat with Sarah Landry. Let's go right in. And what's really sad, like what we were talking about before you started recording, is that a lot of us will get into this situation where we get abused because of our spiritual beliefs and our desire to make the world a better place. And when we finally escape that abusive organization, we're done with spirituality. It's like, you know what, all the other people who believed in the higher ideal I was striving to embody treated me like shit, gaslit me through the teachings, um, tried to take away my self-sovereignty. So I guess I'll just be a normal person again. And normal, not to throw shade on anybody, but normal meaning get a corporate job, stop believing in higher consciousness, forget about the Vedas, go by what's on the six o'clock news. And that's, that's a whole other realm of indoctrination and depression. So it's important, I, I feel, for us to, to understand that spirituality is not the problem. It's not the belief in synchronicities or the aspiration to become more in tune with our higher ideals or connect with the, the devas and the devis. That stuff is good. It's the frauds who claim to be an embodiment of that that are bad. Like Mahavatar Babaji doesn't have an organization promoting him. He just is. And if you connect, you connect. If you don't, you don't. He doesn't do marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is, this is what's very sad and problematic and, and, and can be so tragic about all these cult groups is that not only do they mess with you and you have to deal with the aftermath of like everything that comes comes with it, but it often destroys your belief in God and spirituality along with it, which is not, as you said, it's that is not the problem. The problem is the person who is abusing the teachings. So, and then it can almost like ruin it for us. You know, it's like the bad apple, you know what I mean? All of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't want to ever do that again because of the, the traumatic memory. So it's really like, I'll say it again. If you are out there in any way, like consciously manipulating spiritual, um, you know, practices, teachings, any of those things is not going to go well for you. Sooner or later, it will catch up with you. It just, it's not a good look. I remember at the very beginning of my spiritual journey, I had a friend um, and he was telling me his mom was very spiritual and his mom had always said to him, you know, don't take the spiritual path lightly because it's serious. And the minute that you start engaging in it, you don't actually know what you're opening yourself up to. And there's a lot more out there than what you know. And that is the truth. Now, God and all of this like spirituality on many levels, it's the most safe and beautiful thing that we can do. But when we start getting into certain practices and calling on certain energies and deities, if we don't know what we're doing, we're potentially opening up doorways to all sorts of things that we could, you know, we don't actually know what we're doing. So that is why 
All the more so it is so important to have teachers who are in integrity, like having a mentor, a real mentor or a real guru, like when they say that throughout the teachings in India, a real guru is worth more than gold. It is like that guru will take you down the path. And that's that's actually their role. A real true guru will hold you during your, you know, during your trials, during your they, they will hold you through the storm and take you to the final goal. But you got to make sure that you have a real one, right? Yeah. Some people say the age of the guru is dead. I don't know about that. Like, I, I believe in it. I believe I have such a strong connection to And I think it's difficult. It's more difficult in Western culture because of the way that we've been raised for sure with our minds. But I know there's still real teachers out there. Yeah. I'm blessed to have both. I've had a lot of fake gurus and I've had a lot of real mentors and teachers and a real mentor or a real teacher will guide you and hold you and you will hopefully feel safe with them. But this is another thing that gets so convoluted when you're with these people because initially I'm sure you felt like actually this is a good question for you so did you ever feel safe around him or did you feel more like enthralled by him because this is what a lot of these people do they kind of it's almost like they cast a spell on you and you become very sorry yeah. eyed by them and like whoa yeah. right that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. What a great question. Like I, I had to think for a second. Um definitely the latter. I was starry-eyed. I was starstruck. The the first experience I had meeting him was at that program in Surrey called Kalpataru. And it took place in a big hall. There were hundreds of people gathered. The program didn't start with him. It started with one of his acharyas who introduced it by saying, all the meditations we go through today are to prepare you to receive him. So we didn't get to see him until we had been um, made worthy, which takes me right back to Catholicism. Like the bullshit people have to say before taking communion in the Catholic church is, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. So basically you're telling divinity, I'm just a mere flawed, terrible human, and you can make me worthy, but I can't make myself worthy. We were taught just a Hindu washed version of that, that you, you aren't good enough for Nityananda. So do what we tell you to do, and then you can meet him. And at the time, like I said, if I had understood what cult red flags were, I would have understood that they're manipulating us, that they are hero worshiping that they're making us feel awestruck before he even enters the hall so after a day of listening to his disciples building him up i did feel a powerful energy when he entered the room and i don't know whether that was genuine or whether it was power of suggestion i do believe that these kinds of figures will draw on the energy of the group who worships them and so the whatever he was radiating, it's like your own praise reflected back to you. And so I felt starstruck. Um, I've, I've heard people, I think it was on an episode of Joe Rogan podcast. He was asking somebody like, how did you feel when you met this, this spiritual guru? It might've been when he interviewed Ron Miscavige about L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology. And I, I remember the answer was like, well, have you ever gone to a rock concert and the rock star is on stage and you feel that he has a power? It's like that. So I think safety was never even a factor, Surya. It was more like um, I felt like I was in the presence of God. 
because that's the belief we were given to hold about him. Oh man. So I've been around so many of these types of people and they, they usually do have a certain type of magnetism. They do have, yeah. an, they have an energy. I remember one, I call her like my first fake guru. Yeah. <laughs> um, like she would, we would, we would, and again, it was like a small group and she yeah. would, we would do these workshops where we would sleep overnight in her space. Like we would bring our like bedding and everything like that. And she could stay up all night, but I felt like I just sat there and I watched her. I watched her take the energy from everyone in the room. And so that's what she was doing. She was literally pulling the energy. Now this woman had a partner who was about 20 years younger than her. Now yeah. this woman looked young and vibrant and radiant and her partner who was 20 years younger than her looked like a dried up completely um, like just, just, he didn't look healthy. He didn't look good, like big yeah. sort of bags under his eyes, but it was more just like, not, he didn't look good. It was like energetically, it was like, he'd had the life sucked out of him. And it literally, wow. I think that's sort of part of their dynamic, you know, yeah. it's like she's pulling energy from him. And I would sit there and watch her pull energy from, and it was so funny because she could stay up all night. And I will speak to this thing. Yeah. Okay. A lot of yogis might not sleep or highly advanced spiritual people. It's true. It can be a byproduct, but you don't get there overnight. You get there no. because your soul has attainments. And I want to mention like, just like, as soon as you said that you sat in the dark, I was like, oh, you were obviously a yogi in your past life because that is uh, a yogic yeah. meditation, right? It's this thing that people yeah, do yeah. on retreats. And, you know, my, in my Tibetan Buddhist lineage, they do it all the time. You know, like they'll sit in the dark for like months and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a thing, right? So your soul yeah. knew that already, you know, and then that was yeah. your first or, you know, one of your earliest spiritual experiences, right? Which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, but let's talk about this guy for a second. Cause yeah. I, I told you yesterday, like, okay. So me and my friends used to laugh at him all the time because he's so oh, yeah. character. Like he, we used yeah. to watch his videos and laugh because he was just, he talks really fast and he's very animated and he tells all these stories and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. But then when I saw him more recently, I was like, oh, cause to me, I'm like, this man's got a demon in him. And it is so oh, obvious time. to me. Like, it is so obvious. He's gained about, I don't know, 50 to 100 pounds, probably. He's yeah. a completely different body size. His face yeah. looks different. He looks like those, um, what are they called? Like rakshakas or whatever? Like rakshaka. Yes. Yeah, he looks like that to me. That's like, a, it's a type of demon that's shown in the, in the Vedic scriptures, like in some of the stories yeah. and stuff, just anyone who's not familiar with that word. But I was like, <gasps> and I was like, this is so interesting to me. How, but again, People, people can't see it. And once they've been brainwashed, once somebody has been brainwashed, and I know this because in the situation that I was in, I mean, I've been in a lot of situations, but in the one in particular, the one that I was just talking about with a smear campaign, what actually happened in that, that situation was I was being catfished by somebody very close to me, actually the closest person to me at the time. And this went on for five years. Now, when I discovered that these people that I was speaking to were not real, it actually took me two years to fully accept that they were not real, even though basically there'd been a written confession on her part. Like it was all exposed. It was right out there in the open. The evidence was there. I was still, I was like living in fear for the first six months or so. I was like shaking. I didn't want to open my email because I was used to getting these scathing emails from them. They would go back and forth. They were either very loving or they were like, I was in trouble for something. And it was like, you're the worst person on the planet, blah, 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 blah. And I was actually terrified to open my email because I still thought I was going to get, I still thought somehow this is wrong. These people are real and they're still after me, but it wasn't true. And so I understand now how, once the mind has been shifted, once you're under that type of a control. So these people, I'm not saying that what they're doing is right, but all of these people who are accosting you and smearing you, 
they actually are doing what they think is the right thing because they're still yes. so sucked into this man and his false teachings that they yeah. think that by, you know, supporting him or like, you know, doing something for him that they are somehow upholding. And this is where it gets so dangerous with spirituality because they actually probably think that they're upholding some kind of divinity or some kind of divine yes. order by protecting this master teacher who's this, you yeah. know, who they think is this holy avatar of the world when he's actually yeah. not, you know, and they what, definitely do. What is his background, by the way? I, I'm not sure. Like, did he, was he a self-proclaimed guru or did he yeah. have some kind of gifts? Yeah. Okay. He was a self-proclaimed guru. He's Tamilian, so he comes from um, a, the sacred mountain Arunachala, which is one of the Jyotirlingas in Tiruvannamalai. So he was born in a temple town that is seen. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Jyotirlingas, but I they're, like they're the there. Arun, Arunachala, it's in the south, right? Yeah, it is. You're Sir, probably Himalai, right? I've been there. Yeah, yeah I've been yeah, there. Yeah, you've been there. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's revered throughout India as one of the pilgrimage centers in Shaivite Hinduism, beautiful temple, ancient temple. And so his backstory that he tells us is that when he was a kid, his only passion was for the temple. He would skip school and go to the temple. He'd sit under the banyan tree in the temple. And he claims that the founder of that temple a form of Shiva would come out from a cave beneath the temple to initiate him. And that this master was an ascended master. He would take him to through a portal beneath the temple to us to a spot on Arunachala that's not in our physical reality. So he claims he was taken to another dimension, given initiation there, made a guru, given sannyas. And that when he was 16 years old, he left home with nothing but the kamandalu, like the, the water pot and a begging bowl and his kavi, and that he wandered the length and breadth of India on Parivrajaka for nine years. That's, that's the backstory he tells us. However, when he was 16, he was enrolled into a polytechnic university. His classmates have come forward to the public saying that they were all scared of him because he would practice black magic in his dorm room. And like, it, it's just so clear that everything he's told us about his childhood, his early life, his wandering years is an elaborate hoax. And like, he has a whole team. This is so ironic that there, there's a team of people in his organization who he calls the autobiography team. And they're charged with the task of writing his autobiography for him based on false information he gives them. So th these people have the impossible task of trying to justify the fake stories he's given and debunk the actual photographic evidence of where he actually was at that age and what he actually did. So it's just, it's, it's really crazy to me looking at what all he does. It's crazy, but I want to just briefly touch on this whole black magic thing, because, yeah. um, you know, this may be out there for some some people, but you know, most, yeah. of, most of the listeners, most of my listeners are, you know, spiritually inclined. Otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this. Of course. Episode. Yeah. You know, it's something I've been guided to speak a lot more on and I haven't quite yet. Cause I'm not sure, you know, it's like such a strange, yeah. it's such a strange <laughs> topic, but what I've been shown is like, God's like, well, this is why I made you the way that you are all happy and smiling. 
you know, I can talk about really difficult things and make it a little yeah. bit, easier, but okay. Black magic is real. And there's a lot of it that goes on in many parts of the world, actually, but in India, particularly. And there was another group that I was part of, which was a very, um, quite out of integrity, spiritual group. It was called the oneness, the oneness group, the oneness. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I went there. That's a whole familiar. other story. I had some really wild spiritual experiences there, but I think, but when I, I was also very aware that there was something really not right going on there. Very similar, very high price tags, lots of people having, um, but they were claiming that they were making people enlightened in 21 days. They were claiming that this 21 day process that they, that they took people through, which I did. Um, and, and they gave us this blessing to give Diksha or Diksha, which is another ancient Sanskrit word, which again, just means blessing. And it's like holding your hands on somebody's head, but we gave this, you know, we were given the initiation to give this and they were claiming that people were coming out of this university fully enlightened. And yeah. Through my experience with that group, I had some good experiences with that group and also ultimately, um, you know, pulled away from it because I recognized a lot of the uh, problematic things that were going on inside. But one of the explanations that I saw actually on a bunch of blogs online and that people talked about was that the reason that people, including myself, had these extraordinary experience, spiritual experiences at this place was because of black magic. And so in wow. India, there's a lot of mystical um, there's a lot of mystical activity, both, you know, positive and negative. A lot of it is positive, but there are these, you know, the black arts, the dark arts is a real thing. People do practice black magic. And unfortunately, some of these gurus, that is where they're getting their power, either directly from themselves, or they actually hire people behind the scenes to do the, th the black magic. And then it yeah. looks like that person is, you know, has these, has these gifts and abilities and it can be really, exactly. uh, it, 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 it gets really, really messy. So, and the fact that yeah. actually people say that he was practicing black magic and so oh, this explains yeah, here. He where he's getting the power from, right? Yeah. And he definitely was. And and the way I like to tell people, because some, you can see their face just goes blank and their eyes glaze over the moment you say he does black magic because they think that that's like a Harry Potter dark arts, you know, fallacy. But whether you believe in black magic or not, Nityananda does and he uses it. So whether it's real or not, it's something that he invests in and that he practices. And that includes animal sacrifice, which as a vegan, I think is the ultimate of evil. And he does hire people to do black magic for him. Um, one of the Gurukul kids who played a major part in the public outing of the, the abuse that takes place in his residential school confided in his mother one day that he didn't want to be there anymore because he's scared of the black magic. And Nityananda was training all of the kids in his residential school, the Nityananda Gurukul, to do black magic. And he actually told them, we're going to use this power to kill those who are against us, the anti-Hindu elements. And that means me, that means the other whistleblowers, that means Arti Rao and Lenin Karupan. And yeah, so that this kid called his mom in a panic and said, you have to come get me. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm scared. I don't want to kill people. I don't want to use black magic. And so I, I'm of the belief that, yeah, it's real. It happens. I've seen it affect others from firsthand experience being there in India. Um, when I first left and before I spoke out, when I was still kind of deprogramming from the cult abuse, I was plagued by nightmares of Nityananda where he would appear in a dream and be a demon and try to suck my energy. 
Like there was all kinds of stuff that took place in the psychic realm as attacks. And, you know, some people might say, well, you went through a, a time of psychosis while you were getting out of the mind control. That's also possible. Like, I, I don't really care what it was. I just care that it is like it exists. Something negative happens to people when they get into a cult abuse situation. And yeah, I, I do believe black magic is real, but I also think people who don't believe in it shouldn't completely discount, um, you know, di discount well, what is the, the number magic. one way that the demonic continues to have power in this world yeah. is that people think it doesn't exist. People yes. believe that it does not exist. And although it can be, you know, not everybody is here on a spiritual path. Some people are here to just have a more quote unquote normal experience, but anyone, if you're practicing spirituality, if you're a healer, if you're have any type of spiritual practice, you have to start to educate and understand what you are up against because there yeah. are people out there and some people do it unknowingly and some people do it like some people do it unknowingly, some people do it knowingly, but what I've been shown over and over again, and I've experienced this many times from people that I know and people around me, and I can feel there's attack coming from them. It's not necessarily conscious. It's that they're sitting at their altar. They're sitting in front of their candle. They're meditating and they're praying, but as they pray, maybe about me or something or whatever, they're holding in their heart, hatred towards yeah. me, jealousy or something. And because that energy is present there, that goes out and becomes an attack. So this is yeah. why when we do spiritual practice, we have to cleanse ourselves first. We have to be very clear that we're working with the energy of the most high because black ma like magic is real. The only difference really to put it simply between light magic and dark magic is like light magic. You're working with do no harm. That's, that's very simple. You're not wanting to harm anyone. You're working with the energy of light. You're working with the energy yeah. of the creator. Fine. Black magic, you're trying to cause harm to people. You're working with dark energies and you're working with, you know, like maybe the, you know, in extreme cases, like the antichrist type energy, which people yeah. do. But, you know, again, this, this stuff is real. If you're not actively involved in spirituality or healing, you might never have to deal with it. But because a lot of the listeners and the people who are listening, this is what they're into. You have to know that this is what you're up against. Oh, I've, yeah. I've experienced a lot of it, but this is actually, so, th and this is how these people gather power. And unfortunately there is, there, there is dark, there is darkness in this, not even in this world, it's in the universe and it gets bigger. Once you open up to the etheric, once you open up to, so all these experiences that you just mentioned, this, these are very common, the psychic attacks in the dreams, people feel dizzy. Sometimes you feel very disoriented, all of this. And this is yeah. happening now more and more than ever, unfortunately, because, um, for a lot of reasons, and part of it is even just, um, the technology in the world, all of the different, the technology that we have has created a different vibration. You know, we all have a phone, we all have this Wi-Fi everywhere. All of that is, there's a lot of factors. So it's really important. This is a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast, <laughs> but it's important for people to know, right? It's true. Well, and it's just like, okay, there are certain foods that are carcinogenic. And if a person doesn't know that they'll keep mindlessly consuming all of those foods, cancer doesn't care whether or not you believe that you're consuming carcinogens, it's going to happen to you. And I feel like similarly in the spiritual realm, those who are psychically attacking you don't care whether or not you believe in psychic attack. And if, if you don't believe in it, you are not protecting yourself against it. And that's when it's going to create havoc in your life. So I feel like it's just to me, common sense to be aware of what all they're trying to do to stop us so that we can counter it. 
And, you know, one of the things is listening to Kali mantras. Like there are videos on YouTube. It's free. You just click it and listen to it. You know, a Kali mantra to cleanse you of any black magic attacks. Um, one of what is actually something that Kali will really help with. Actually, you're right about that. That is. So that's one of her powers is that, yes, yeah, she might yeah. look scary, but she will actually come in because she is like she's like a protectoress of the truth. She's like yes. a protector of the Dharma, like the real Dharma, like the truth, like a Dharma is. is like a Sanskrit word that means like teachings, right? So that's why, mm -hmm. again, if you're on the side of truth and light, you don't have to fear Kali. You can actually call on her and she will yeah. protect you, right? It's true. Well, and, and one of the funny things yesterday, one of Nityananda's disciples tweeted at me, beware, we have invoked Kali against you. And I thought, great, thank you. You've sent, you've reminded her of what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, good. Then now we're talking. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I don't, I don't hear that. Like you should be a little bit concerned because that's kind of like a kid beating you up on the playground and saying, I called your mom. It's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I don't know about you, but like, I know that something it's like my something that my soul carries and it's actually freaked me out at times and I've talked to some of my mentors about it but people who mess with me it doesn't go well for them sooner <laughs> sooner or later it's not because I wish harm on anyone I no. don't it's because I come with a pure heart and I come with truth and I usually come into people's lives to like bless them and help them and heal them and if that gets taken advantage of because there's always a choice with either lesson you either receive the teaching or even if you don't there's a way to just walk away from it in a peaceful way right. but if it's if it's a repeated um you know attack or repeated you know like uh, th things things happen and I was like I remember I went to one of my teachers once and I was like why do bad things always happen to people after they do bad things to me and he was right. like oh you must have very fierce dharma protectors <laughs> oh yes <laughs> okay well yeah and I I don't wish harm on anyone I don't oh. But that's the way. And I feel like you have that energy too. You yes. know, it's like we do when you stand in the energy of truth, it doesn't mean it's right away. Sometimes you might have to, but even I think the perfect example is Jesus, right? Like Jesus is the perfect example of this. He came here on this mission to, you know, to share God's light. He was healing people. He was bringing miracles to people. He was healing the sick and raising the dead and, you know, yes. casting demons out of people right in front of people's face. And what did they do to him? They persecuted him. They attacked him. Those who feared him, you know, those who, who wanted power, like his, his Jesus's story is really potent in that, you know, oh, so yeah. remember that story. And he's, he's one of many, you know, prophets and visionaries. And unfortunately people who are prophetic people who are carriers, who are light bringers, we don't always have an easy job here. That's not, it's not the job, you know, we, we have to deal with a lot of stuff and, and, and yeah. go through these things, but ultimately it makes us stronger, right? It does. It does. It, and a lot of times we have to remind ourselves, this is what we signed up for. We didn't come down here for an easy ride. This isn't like the, this isn't like a, a vacation resort lifetime. This is work. We're, we're here to do our work. Mm -hmm. um, but it can also be so enjoyable and so joyful and so beautiful when we connect with other people who are in that same wavelength. And that's what I love so much about your podcast is it, it's like a place where you bring together people who are speaking from a place of love and here to create love. And I feel like if bad things happen to people who try to stop you from doing good, that's not you doing it. That's, that's Dharma taking care of itself. This is, it's their karma because of your Dharma. And that's the difference. See people who want to attack their enemies and they invoke black magic and try to curse people and try to do things energetically to cause harm to people. 
they are not established in the dharma that's going to take care of and protect them. So they have to take, it's like um, taking a gun to try to stop somebody. Like they're, they're picking up spiritual weapons to attack their enemies. But if we're just here to speak truth and to radiate love, we don't, we don't have to worry about how to protect ourselves or how to stop our enemies because we understand from a higher spiritual perspective, their very actions are self-destructive. We just keep doing what we're doing and they will, they will, you know, bring it into themselves. Amen. And I, my, my life has showed me this over and over and over again. It's not always instant, but the truth always comes to light. And yes. the, 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 what's that word? Like the, the scales are always balanced. Yes. They are. It might not happen right away, or you might not see it, but you just have to trust. And that's why, um, what is there? Uh, it's, my mind is blank, but I know that like it says that in the Bible, it says like, um, you know, this is why you don't have to take vengeance on people because oh, God, right. you know, God takes care of it. So that's why yes. we don't have to take, if somebody does something bad to you, you just let it go. You know, you do, well, do whatever right. you have to do, but you don't have to curse that person. You don't have to wish nope. harm on them because they will get it themselves. The only exception I would say to that is that we do have soul contracts with people sometimes yeah. to be hurt. We do have, so the, the, this is a little bit different. So if the contract's in place and somebody betrays you or harms you, but that was the contract between you and that person, then that's fair game because, you know, yeah. but, but spiritual abuse, which is what we're talking about here is very yeah. serious. Spiritual yeah. abuse is very serious. It's not to be taken lightly. And anyone who's engaging it in it in any way, shape, or form, they will get it much worse than any other abuser, in my opinion. Absolutely. Because you are now integrating and you're bringing in and you're mixing in these spiritual principles. And then you're messing with people's connection yeah. to God. You're messing with people's connections to real teachings. And, you know, I'm, I'm even just thinking about him right now. Like, it's actually too bad that this is the way he wants to go because he actually is very funny. He's very, you know what I mean? Like, there's something about him. If he was in oh, the yeah. light, he could actually be a wonderful a teacher and I guess of his yeah. funny, like I said like we used to laugh at him like not in a bad way yeah. like it's just entertaining you know it's like was entertaining. Nice. well and, and I've often said to people that if he had actually been behind the scenes the same Swamiji who I saw on stage I would still be Manitya Swarupa Priyananda advocating for people to join his organization, selling his programs, introducing him on stage. Like I, I didn't leave because I don't like what he was teaching. I left because he was not living what he was teaching. There, there was a complete discord between the bait that he lured us in with and what he switched into behind the scenes once we were through the door. Interesting. When you're talking right now, I'm just seeing like in my vision, they just showed me very clearly. It's like, he's multifaceted. It's like the narcissist, yeah. there are many masks. It's like, yeah. so that guru is one mask. And then there's all these other, it's like, there's multiple personalities operating there in yeah. the same, in the same being. Right. Which is what. For sure. I'll give you an example. Like there was a day he was on stage when I was there in India and he gave a beautiful satsang about friendliness is the scent of Advaita. And of course, Advaita means oneness. And he said, you can tell somebody is established in the space of oneness because they will exude friendliness. They'll have like a resting friendly face. Like you look at them, they'll have a pleasant smile. They, they treat people compassionately. They're respectful. The, the curtain closes. He calls all of us to what he called an Adi Navasi meeting. So all the people, residents, in his cult had to go and he just started yelling at us and blasting us and saying you are all failures you're not living up to your potential 
How many of you skipped yoga this morning? All of you go to sacred arts, which is like the punishment campus where you have to do manual labor. And he started to tell us for the general public, friendliness is Advaita, but the true compassion is ferociousness. And he would say Kali and Kala Bhairava are all about ferociousness. And so he would take the leaders in his cult to take small groups of people and yell at them, call us pieces of shit. He called me a third rate bloody dog. He told me that I didn't have the right to breathe because I hadn't earned my livelihood since, oh, it, it's just crazy. The amount of trauma that he deliberately poured into all of us. And so on stage, he's saying you can recognize somebody who's in Advaita because of their pleasant smile. And then the curtain closes and he's just making the meanest, ugliest, growling face you can imagine. And as you've rightly pointed out, dude looks like a demon. Like he looks like a Rakshasa. Um, one of my favorite Sanskrit mantras is the Mahishasura Mardini Stotram, which is the, the praise of the goddess Devi who kills the demon Mahishasura. And it's funny, whenever I put on that video on YouTube to listen to it, the picture of Mahishasura, like the, the king of the demons, looks like Nityananda. It looks like the artist who depicted Mahishasura painted him. And it makes me wonder, like, is he doing this on purpose? Has he crafted his appearance deliberately like a joke exactly. maybe that's the actual demon that's working maybe that is the demon that's yeah. working through him it's some kind of a demon king and i also want to say um because i think this is a really good point and this is how you can also tell where somebody's getting their power from somebody yeah. who's getting their power from the dark or from the demonic they cannot hold it because just like i said it's one of many masks so he can hold it long enough to be on stage and deliver yeah. this beautiful teaching where you're like whoa but then as soon as the curtain falls boom he can't hold it yeah. Somebody who's an actual emanation of truth and light and God is going to be more consistent. It doesn't mean yeah. they're not going to have different moods. They're still human. You know, they're going to have their ups and downs, but there's going to be more consistency. You're going to feel that, you know, you're going to feel that like, again, Amma's coming into my mind, but it's like, she's got yeah. that bliss emanating from her 24 seven. It's like, whether you're around her or not, you know, and again, there's problems with every I think every time you get, this is kind of the point I've come to, I'm like, every time you get a group of humans together and in any kind of group, there's going to be drama just because that's what happens. But some groups yeah. do a better job of keeping things like relatively in integrity than others, you know? So oh, I think that's sure. a good point too, is like somebody who's using demonic power, they can't hold it. They can only hold it first. And then that you're going to see the other face, right? Yes, for sure. Well, and he had a whole team sitting beneath his stage in what he called the tech pit. Anytime his demon face started to express, so anytime he would look at somebody in the crowd and just glare at them with a mean look on his face, they had to immediately cut the live feed and show a still photo of him smiling. So people in the public sometimes ask, why during satsang does it sometimes suddenly flip to a still photo of Swamiji? And it's like, oh, because that's when he turns to yell at Nyanatma. Or that's when he's glaring at one of the Gurukul kids who fell asleep. That's, that's when he... The demon working through him, that's the demon right there. It's like, it can't, it can't hold itself. It has to, like, no. and it comes out. And I feel like what's happening more, and it's interesting. I remember at the beginning of my spiritual journey, which is more than 20 years ago, I started hearing about this and they, I heard all of this talk that there would come a time in the near future where people wouldn't be able to hold 
the dark, the, like we would literally see people shape shifting into the reptiles, wow. we would see the demonic. And I feel like it's happening now more yeah. than ever. It's like people cannot, they can't hold it anymore. They can't hide it. So it's just like him. He can't control whether he's sitting there trying to be all like, do, do, do. And then he's like, ah. yeah. like he can't. exactly. He can't, he can't. Well, and, and the other thing is people who are genuinely tapped into a divine source who have, they're tapped into that source because they've set the intention to bring goodness into the world. They're not trying to prove anything. They're not trying to act blissful and happy and loving 24 seven. They're just that it, it is what they are. They're just that. And all of these fake gurus have that one thing in common where they have a carefully crafted stage persona. It's not what they are. It's what they're trying to convince people to believe they are. And I was listening to our mutual friend, Sarah Edmondson, on her podcast. She interviewed Eckhart Tolle. And she was asking him about cults and cult leaders and, and how to discern between a genuine guru or spiritual teacher versus a cult leader. And I really love how he described setting himself up in such a way that he is not above any of his students like he described living in an apartment he's a best-selling author he could probably afford a mansion but he lives in a humble small place um he said like i still enjoy drinking wine sometimes a fake guru would never admit to something like that because they would say oh that's not sattvic that's not good alcohol is bad but he he said straight up oh i still enjoy drinking wine I make mistakes. And he said that if any student seems to be worshiping him or putting him on a pedestal, he will tell that person about something he's done recently that was that was a mistake. Either he didn't mean to do it, he regrets it, it's not, it's not ideal. And he said, as long as a person is in a human body, so whether it's Ama or whether it's a beggar in the street, none of us are a pure embodiment of cosmic consciousness yet we're still human we might have a satori experience or a samadhi experience but as long as we're still alive in human society we still have character flaws we still have human ego there are still things about us that we're striving to overcome and i feel like the cult leaders of the world are in absolute denial of that and they're trying to convince everybody else that they are perfect because they can't face their own imperfections. And so with an extreme narcissist case like Nityananda, he would make mistakes and tell us that he did them on purpose to trigger us. You know, I did this so that you don't put the master in a box. I did this to break your illusion of what a guru should be. And so he would take it to such an extreme that he would make a mistake and claim to have done it on purpose. And then you'll have other individuals like um, Teal Swan who will just flat out deny having made those mistakes. And they'll pretend that they didn't really do the thing that you just saw them do. And all of these manipulative, spiritual, self-proclaimed spiritual leaders, one thing they all have in common is that they would never do what Eckhart Tolle does, which is flat out admit I'm a flawed human being but let's figure this shit out together and see if we can reach a higher conscious space. Well, in my, my, my experience is, is that most of the, like what I would call, like, I'm not the healing police, but like most of the people no. that I know that are the real healers and the real ones, 
we've been through all kinds of stuff and we're also not yeah. afraid to, and then we recognize that all of those things that we've been through have actually been a lot of the learning ground and the fuel to be able to help us in our, in the yeah. work that we do. Right. And it's, it's just part yeah. of the human experience. Um, yeah, one of my favorite stories is like in Tibetan Buddhism, the story of Milarepa, who went to become, he actually, he actually went and learned black magic, but because his mother asked him to avenge his father's death, because when his father died, his aunt and uncle came in and um, stole all the wealth from the family and basically made him and his mother and the other kids into like slaves. So his mom was like, please go avenge us. So he, Milarepa went and learned black magic. He cast some kind of a spell and he killed like 13 people in an avalanche, but he felt so bad afterwards. He felt so terrible that that sent him on us on a quest for real true spirituality and you know over the course of many years even over decades I'm not sure how long it took you know he met all these different gurus got all these initiations did all these austerities but he became a fully enlightened being and he's the most famous revered yogi in Tibet because his story is a reminder that no matter what we've done and no matter what we've yeah. been through that we can turn it all around with the work like you said we have to do the work yeah. and we have to have the intention to do good so I, I love this story because I think sometimes people get to a point in their life where they're like I've done too much. There's no going back. I can't. I'm like, no, we can always you change. Can. This is every moment is a new opportunity. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. You're probably going to need teachings and, and practices, but correct ones. But I, I totally believe that God will make a way. And that's where God shows up, you know, if you're praying to God. But this is the thing, right? We don't know who yeah, exactly. Of, we don't know who some of these people are, are, are praying about. Oh, my goodness. We know talk about this forever. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, we could do a 24 hour live stream and talk, but <laughs> there's always more to say. No, that, but it's like there it's. I feel like it's such an important topic because now more than ever, I mean, your story is an extreme one, but now we have all of these sort of um, people in the, like in the coaching industry, in the spiritual mm -hmm. industry who are like milder versions of this and they're using yeah. their platforms and they're using their, you know, their numbers and their money and throwing all this stuff around and really roping people into like, at least you got some authentic teachings through this guy. Like some of these yeah. other people are, they're not even teaching things that make sense. They're teaching things. Like, no. I feel like at this point, people are just making shit up part of my French, but I'm like, no, so no, yeah, no. They are right. I'm like, sometimes I hear it's like coaches and like so-called spiritual teachers are talking. I'm like, where did you learn this from? Like, this is not a spiritual teach. Like this is not most of the spiritual teachings. The real ones are pretty congruent. You're going to find repeat truths yeah. throughout, but unfortunately it's like the new age way of thinking has just made it so easy to flip everything inside out and yeah. suit it to our own purposes. And it's actually very dangerous. You it know? Is. And you know that the, the saddest thing about this Surya Devi is, is that there's People who feel drawn to the path of becoming a life coach, drawn to become a tarot reader, drawn to become a healer, and they see the way the bad ones are making shit up and manipulating people to scam them for money, and they feel like, well, I don't want to scam people like that, so they pull back. We need good life coaches in this world. We need good tarot readers. We need good astrologers and healers and spiritual teachers. And it's sad that I feel like so many of us on this path have been burned by the fraudulent ones that will wash our hands of all of them. And it's like, I don't want to give Nityananda any credit whatsoever. Like, sure, I got some good spiritual teachings from him, but they were all laced with poison. It's kind of like if somebody gives you a salad, but they've sprinkled a little arsenic on top, you can't say, well, I did get a good vegan meal. Like, fuck that. No, he, he used the good teachings as as the bait but he had no intention whatsoever of helping anybody with them but yeah the other thing is 
I don't consider any of his brainwashed followers to be my enemies. They can they can falsely accuse me of rape all they want. I still hope that they break free from the demonic influence in their lives. So I see these people as victims of his, just like I was a victim of his. And I do believe in my heart that one day they will wake up to the manipulation. They'll understand that he's using them, that he doesn't actually care about them, that he is not leading them to enlightenment or to live in Kailasa, that he's just trying to get sex, money, and power. And when they realize that, I'm I'm just waiting for the day that they come forward publicly and say, you know what, we made all this shit up about Sarah. It's not true. She's right. And then they can go public about all the abuse he did to them. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I really do too. I really do yeah. too. I feel like it's all, even right now in this, I feel like it's all, it's all coming to a head. It's all yeah. getting exposed. And again, like, this is where I, it's like I said to you and I said before, like, I do feel like this, this is, or this is a big part of your life purpose. So that's why, yeah. and it's just like the same with me again. Like, I know I got involved yeah. in a lot of situations and groups that maybe weren't, you know, the best, but I've learned so much from them. And now it's like, you know, and, 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 and just also to speak to what you were saying about the good healers and the tarot readers or, or whatever you want to call them, you know, also the other issue is that by nature, a lot of healers and spiritual practitioners are, it's like the hermit card in the tarot, right? It's like yeah. they're introverted. It's hard for them already to come out and share. It's hard for them already. So what we have is that you have some type A personalities, the type of people who are narcissistic and power hungry. They yeah. take a few workshops on spirituality and all of a sudden they put themselves out there. And because they have yeah. no problem engaging in these manipulative selling techniques, they have no problem putting themselves out there. They want energy and attention. These are the yeah. people who are getting the energy and attention. Now in the spiritual world, it's very different from any other kind of industry, right? It's very, again, like you don't want to mess with all of this stuff. And we've, we've learned this the hard way, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I really hope for more, you know, more, more integrity, but again, this was all prophesized during the Kali yeah. Yuga, which is the time we're in right now. They, it was already prophesized. This was the age of the false guru, the false yeah. teachings, all of that. So it really shouldn't be a surprise to any of this, any of us that we're dealing with this because it was, you know, it was written already long time yeah. ago. And I think the the takeaway for people is if you're in a cult, if you've been spiritually manipulated, if you've had an abusive coach or an abusive mystic try to pull you off your path for their own gain, that doesn't mean that when you leave them, you will never have the spiritual experiences you were seeking at the time when you were sucked into it. It still exists and there still is a good spiritual realm available for you. So people don't have to see it as a black and white issue. Either you're in a manipulative cult or religion, or you're an atheist and you're free from that. There is a middle path, as Buddha would call it. There is a way to have the comforts and the security that we, we might want to build for ourselves in the so-called real world, while also being tapped into bliss and and love and light in the mystical world and i'm thinking again of mahavatar babaji like wasn't this what he said to lahiri mahasaya that he's picked a grihasta or a householder to carry his breathwork yoga into the world to show people the example that you can be a family person with a, a railroad job and also be a yogi and also be enlightened and tuned into this higher realm. So we don't need to run away to an ashram in order to become the higher ideal that we have for ourselves. We can do it from where we are. And we don't need to pay somebody thousands of dollars to give us what we already have inside of us. 
hundred percent. And that I, even that just reminds me of there's one scripture from the Upanishads and it just says like, there is a light that shines brighter than the light in the highest heavens. I just saw a light go off in my, like in my corner right there, like, shoo. and that that light is inside of our heart. So if that yeah. light is inside of our heart, that means really we, we don't need anything else. We don't need to seek anything else. Again, good teachers and, and good knowledge is very important on the path. But at the end of the day, it's about ourselves. And, and the path of spirituality to me is about finding our own inherent divinity that lives within us, yeah. not giving that power away to something external, whether it's like a big bearded, you know, white God in the sky, or if it's like, <laughs> you know, some, some, yeah. like, some funny looking, you know, like some or a big thing. bearded man covered in gold on a throne in India. Yeah. Same thing. Even his, even his look has become so excessive. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I get it. It's like the look, like all the, like the Rurakshas, but like the giant ones, like piled all around him and all of this. If you want to dress like a spiritual person, you can, but you know what? You can be spiritual just like this. I'm just like wearing a yellow sweater and like the only like, yeah, we're, we both got our crystal jewelry on, but oh yeah, I've always got my crystals. (laughs) Just just before we wrap it up here, just please tell everybody a little bit what you're, what you're doing now. Sure. So I've, I've re-immersed myself in my spiritual passion that I had pre-Nityananda, which takes the form of crystal healing on one hand. So I've got an Etsy shop where I sell genuine gemstone jewelry, and I call it the art of gems. Um, I also do tarot card readings and have a, a little site on Wizio for that. And simultaneously, I've kind of made it my mission to speak out and expose the abuse of the fraud who calls himself Nityananda. So tomorrow, oh, I don't know when you're going to publish this podcast, but it's I'm in gonna, our probably this week. I'm probably going to do it like within oh, cool. pretty quick. So yeah, tell everybody, please. Yeah, so I, I'm going to be on Dr. Phil tomorrow on the 30th. <laughs> Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. I know the timing of this is, is so wild too, because we, anyway, we, we were like, I was, I think I reached out to you like a year ago. I was like, Hey, come on my podcast. Oh, yeah. You didn't see the message until like last week. Right. And the right. timing is like so perfect. So yeah, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, she's going to be on Dr. Phil. Like, this yeah. is just like, wow. This is just, yeah. you know, wow. Good for Mainstream you. Mainstream media exposure at last which is something that I think as a collective, all of Nityananda's victims have been praying for and hoping for. So I'm really grateful to Dr. Phil to give me the opportunity to talk about cult abuse on a national TV show. Um, So that's there. And I also just launched my own website yesterday. It's sarahlandry.ca. And that's a place where I've kind of put together the crystal healing, the tarot readings and the cult exposure it seems like very disparate aspects of reality, but somehow I'm kind of alchemizing it all into me, what I would call myself. Um, I can relate to that. That's like, that's right? like how, to, how to cope as a multifaceted, you know, yeah. multi-dimensional, like multi-talented yeah. being here. So you just do all of it. That's what we do. We just show up. Why that's not? Are, right? If you love something, I think you're meant to, you're meant to do it. If you love music, you're meant to make music. If you love writing, you're meant to write. If you love art, you're meant to paint. If you love tarot, you're meant to read the cards. Um, And you can still be a serious person when it comes to exposing abuse, but also be a fun, playful person when it comes to doing your own thing in life. 
and this what you're just speaking of right now, like this middle way thing has been one of my big, it's something that I feel like I'm almost like a broken record of constantly reiterating. It's like, and this is one of the things that we need to get out of as humans, as a society, like nothing is black and white. There's a gray area in everything. It's not right. either or everybody has goodness and darkness. Like you can take the good from something and also condemn the bad in it at the same time. And yeah. that journey is up to each and every one of us to determine. And again, this comes down to boundaries and self-regulation and like what right. is need for ourselves and what works for us. And that's, you know, that that's okay. That's also part of the journey as well. So, yeah. wow, Sarah, thank you so much. We could talk forever. There's like, so I know. Much I'm so, um, I just want to honor you for, for using your voice and for speaking up. Cause I know that it hasn't been easy and, um, I wouldn't expect that, you know, exactly what you said, the ups and the downs, I wouldn't expect anything else. And that's an example of you being uh, real and true and humble. And, and, you know, of, of course it would be that there's no, you know, that that is the path of human humanness, right? Like it's never yeah. all or all bad. It's like a combination of all the things, but thank you for your voice and just, um, yeah, let people know where can they find you if they want to know more about you or check out what you're doing. Sure. Well, thank you. And I, and I want to equally honor you, Surya Devi for making this platform available too, where we can talk about pure spiritual things and not feel self-conscious and shy to get into the dangers of black magic or the joy of tarot and crystals. It's, it's really cool that you, you've made this space available. Um, so yeah, people can find me on my website, which is sarahlandry.ca. And I've, I'm on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and all those other platforms. So mainly YouTube talking about the cult experiences and the mystical experiences. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you for chatting with me today. And yeah, and thanks it was for everything a pleasure. And I'm also holding the vision and I feel strongly in, in myself that it's, it will, it will get exposed and uh, yes. yeah. he's going down. Not just about him, but like, everyone who's out there doing this yeah. like it will catch up with you sooner or later so just just don't it's never too late to turn your heart to to goodness or even to take a step in the right direction towards you know that's how everything works nothing is instantaneous it's always a process so even just taking a step in the and that could even just mean looking for places in our own life where we practice you know maybe more subtle forms of, 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 you know, what we could call black magic, which are when we attack people, which is when we wish harm on people, oh, because yeah. as we know, the mental realm is real. When we speak harm about people, when we speak lies about mm -hmm. people, all of this, all of this is, um, yeah. we should, we should do something that we should have a, I feel like we need to have we a should. We should I'm, I'm, Like as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, okay. If anybody hears you saying this, they need to remember, don't be jealous of somebody. If you see somebody who has all the qualities you want, doing all the things you want to do, they're successful in something that you you wish you were doing or they're with a partner you wish you had be grateful for the fact that they have it because they're showing an example that it's possible and then you go get it in your own way in your own life without trying to take from them like that's how you can avoid being a toxic influence on somebody else Right. And I'll, I'll actually add to that because I can, I'll be, you know, I will be honest and, you know, I will be humble and say that I actually dealt with a lot of jealous feelings for a lot of my life. And I was, had a lot of jealousy towards people that I perceived were being given more, doing more than I had. Yeah. And I felt a lot of shame about that too, because internally, like I believed and I thought jealousy is wrong. Jealousy is bad. Yeah. But so when you say like, don't be jealous, if you have a jealous feeling, if you have any kind of uncomfortable yeah. feeling, the way out of it is first to really acknowledge and give yourself full permission to actually really feel that, look at it and observe it. 
And then over time it can shift and it did for me. And now yeah. I don't have jealousy towards people. I have pure, um, and it's the most wonderful feeling to be free from that because I felt so much shame and guilt when I felt jealousy. Cause I'm like, I'm a good person. Why do I hold all this jealousy? But you know, whatever it was one of no. my, like a samskara, like they would call it, which is like a negative yeah. that I needed to overcome. But guess what I did? It didn't happen overnight, but now I feel so much happiness for people. I feel genuine, even people that might be doing something I want to do or whatever. Actually, what I think is them making a way to do that shows me that I can do it too. That's and what I'm saying. Exciting, That's right? I'm saying. And it's like, you, you, okay, we've all had, I've been jealous of people too. Like I'd be a hypocrite if I said I've never been jealous of anybody, but to avoid accidentally psychic attacking or, or uh, evil eyeing somebody if you're aware that you have that and that it's not serving you, it's not doing any good for you, you can consciously decide not to attack somebody else in the psychic realm. And take it back. If you feel yeah. it at yourself and you go, uh-oh, yeah. oh, I think I might've just sent some negative, like some, right. just take it back. You just say a little prayer. Hey, I'm sorry. I take it back. I ask that that be neutralized throughout all directions of time. Send the person some light, a little bit of love. And, and that's, that's it. That all of these things can be. And again, so this is where it comes down to these moment by moment present moment decisions and actions that we make and that we take. It's all about this. It's not yeah. about this. And, and this is why the work never ends. It's ongoing. Exactly. You have to consciousness is to be conscious or to be in consciousness is to be constantly examining and observing your thoughts, your words, your actions, your feelings, mm -hmm. all of those things. And over time they, they will shift because when we put our awareness on something, we then have the power to shift it if we choose that's to. That's right. And that's the shadow work. We can't be afraid to look at our own flaws. Like if, if we refuse to look at our own flaws, that's like accepting the fact that they will always exist as part of us. Yeah. Like if you're not willing to go look at the dirty dishes in your sink, you're never going to wash them and have a nice clean kitchen. Like you have to be willing to look at the things that exist in your consciousness that you want to overcome. That's how you go past it. Yes. But then, it's so cool. I'm looking at Surya Devi and the sun is now shining into my apartment. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and, and Surya also, you know, Surya means sun. And so like yes. the sun is a source of light, but the sun can also burn, right? Like it's both. It's right. like that dualistic, you know, it's that dualistic thing. So again, even like this, the, the, the name or even thinking about that, it's like, it's another proof that like everything has both forces in it. It has both the force of like creation yeah. and it has the force of destruction. And we have yeah. that too. So we can choose to be creative we can choose to be affirming you know and it doesn't mean if we have these traits or these tendencies that we don't like you know we will feel shame we will feel all these things but yeah. we can also feel empowered knowing that we can shift them that's can shift that's I feel like my whole life is an example of that like when I look back on who I was to who I am now like so many things yeah. have shifted but that's also because for the majority of my life at this point I have chosen the path of spirituality and higher consciousness even when yeah. I was caught up in weird teachings and weird groups my intention was always and this is what I think is so dangerous about a lot of these groups um preying on people is that spiritual people tend to be very open yeah. they tend to be very um like go for everything you know what I mean and yeah you know, they, they want to do good and they want to do, you know, and so then they become targets for these parasitic individuals. So, Absolutely. And, you know, Nityananda is just one of, 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 of many, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm thinking, let's do this again. I want to interview you for my YouTube channel and hear about your experiences too, because I feel like people who are in one cult or who have escaped one cult might feel a lot of shame, guilt, regret, embarrassment, 
But when they can hear from somebody who is um, walking a similar path, who has gone through different kinds of cult abuse, but come through it and is doing well and is still spiritually connected and still making beautiful spiritual music and setting good spiritual intentions, it just shows that there is a light at the end of all of it. If you, if you'd be up for that, I would I love that to, would be cool. I would absolutely love to. Yeah. I, I would do love it. to. That would be wonderful. Thank you thank so much. You. Yes. Thank oh you, Sarah. God. Okay. Everybody, this is Sarah Landry. Please go check out um, the rest of uh, the rest of her work and yeah, check definitely, especially if you think that you're in a, in a cult-like group or around a cult-like teacher, it's really important. Knowledge is power. The more information that you can learn, these people have repeating patterns. These groups have repeating patterns. We all know it. If you start to identify them, then you can empower yourself to either not get involved with them in the first place and, or, you know, leave if you send that you're in a group where you know or with a teacher where something is out of integrity because it will just suck years of your life and not only that that the, the real piece for me that we've spoken about many times now is the damage that happens when we when the connection between ourselves and the divine becomes severed or damaged or questioned because of these out of integrity groups and teachings and that's what you know we, we all need to stay in direct contact with with the divine right absolutely that's it yes okay thank you so much sarah thank you for listening thank everyone you. peace <laughs> You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so that you can be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to stand up for what you believe in. Peace.